Challenge is one of those ways that really helps us not keep the ego in the driver's seat because we're reframing our reality consistently, right? Because if we just get accustomed to believing what we believe and we don't challenge ourselves, then our identity or our ego is going to lock in with what it knows and it's going to be arrogant. It's going to be a know-it-all. It's not going to have space for for change and transformation or the possibility of that. You know, Plato said that the more, you know, the more I know, the more I know, the less I know. Born in 92 on the block with the sharks Cut from a different cloth, y'all would get ripped apart You want a diamond, then you gotta get it in the dark We dropping nuggets like Carmelo with the Rucker Park Now we eating from state to state, we scrape the plate I put my eggs in the basket, took a leap of faith I took a chance, now we grow and see the impact Decoding success with special guests, now let's bring Matt Welcome to the show, everyone. This is your host, Matt Labrie, bringing you episode number 218 here on the Decoding Success Podcast as we cap off the year 2021 with our friend Stefano Sifandos in just a few moments. Now, this is our last episode of the year, but there is so much more to come in the year 2022. Incredibly deep conversations, just like the one we're having here today, all around childhood trauma, adulthood trauma, what it takes to heal what it takes from a behavioral science and a psychology perspective, all to achieve our highest and greatest potential. Now, I'm going to be introducing Stephanos in just a few moments, but with that being said, I want to wish you a very happy and healthy new year. Whether you're listening to this before the new year or after, my well wishes still apply to each and every one of you. And I want to say thank you for all of your support in year three as we close out another year of this show. Thank you to each and every one of you that subscribes, that listens, that shares, that rates, reviews, likes, comments, all of that. Seriously, expressing our gratitude and wishing you a very healthy and happy new year to all of your loved ones. Now, with that being said, we are joined today by our friend Stefano Sefandos, who is a trained educator and relationship expert with a background in behavioral science who is ultra passionate about leading people closer to their highest potential and to each other, meaning connectedness. And he's doing just that here today. Now, having confronted what it means to be a man in the world himself, Stephanos has an intimate understanding of the work it takes to evolve into a better person and partner. He's committed to helping men achieve excellence and helping women connect and open their hearts to their partners. Having struggled and successfully healed himself from addiction, trauma, and infidelity, Stephanos is eager to share the tools and realizations that empowered him to do so. All of that going down right here, right now on Decoding Success. But one last announcement tonight, December 29th, if you're listening to this after the 29th, which is the day we're releasing it, you might have missed out. But it's going down tonight on the Wisdom app from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're doing an AMA, which means you could ask me anything, whether you want to ask me about working for Damon John of Shark Tank, whether you want to ask me about podcasting, whether you want to ask me about personal branding, relationships, trauma, so on and so forth. It is going down tonight, December 29th, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All you have to do is follow me, M-A-T-T -T underscore L-E-B-R-I-S, or to make it more simple for you, you can check out the show notes of this episode where we have a link that will notify you when we go live this evening. There is a lot of fun in store. I want to help people get connected. I want to connect with you. I want to connect you with mentors. I want to connect you with 
life partners, business partners, friends, so on and so forth. There is so much going down tonight. Really excited if you're able to join us. I figured why not do something in between the holidays? It's a Wednesday night. Let's do it. Let's have fun. And now without further ado, we bring to you our friend, Stefanos Safandos. Stefanos, my brother, welcome to the show. Uh, first and foremost, I actually want to express gratitude for the work that you've done, not only on yourself, but the work that you're helping people do through your own experiences, the vulnerability in your content, the transparency, the openness. It's truly incredible. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I resonate with so much of it going all the way back to your early childhood, which is where we'll start in just a few moments. But thank you for joining us, man. Truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate it as well. Absolutely. Now, I have done as much research as I could possibly do. So I want to go back to the beginning because your journey, and I'm getting the chills saying this, if I wasn't wearing long sleeves, I'm sure you would see the hair on my arm sticking up. Your childhood is something I resonate with a very, from a very high level. I resonate with it on a very, very high level. So I'm curious, your experiences, as many in this world, were quote unquote traumatic in a sense, right? From, from a childhood perspective, what you experienced, what you witnessed. I'm just curious, when did you start to realize those experiences in your life were affecting you in such a way in whatever area is possible? Realistically, my late teens, right? Okay. But I didn't grasp it in the way that I, I grasped it as I did in my very, very early 30s. And that's when really my transformational depth of work began in my early 30s, like you know, 31, 32 years old. Specifically, the catalyst being uh, a relationship that I was in, she found out she discovered I was cheating and I was, there was so much dishonesty and infidelity in that relationship. And that was the catalyst for bringing up a lot of the shame that I had suppressed, the trauma, the abuse that I'd suppressed that was unconsciously driving much of my compensatory behavior in the world and in, in intimate relationship. And also how I saw myself, my self-worth and how I validated myself, how I felt worthy in the world and so forth. Why do you, from your experience, from research, however, wherever, why do those intimate relationships seem to bring out those breakthroughs, right? And this is another point I could, I could very much so resonate with. In June of 2020, I, was, I found myself in a relationship with an amazing young woman, and she had a lot of pain, and I had a lot of shit I needed to work on. Next thing you know, one thing led to another. I felt a break, and I needed to work on myself. So it seems something very similar to you. I'm just curious, why do those intimate relationships bring that out of us? Yeah, our adult intimate relationships are essentially replicas of the relationships that we had with our primary caregivers and the bonding behaviors that took place and the intimacy that was formed and bonded in those early years of our lives during our formative years. And so they somewhat occur in our adult life to sometimes, most of the time, at, at, at least some of the time, to have a redo of those relationships, to heal, right? To, to re-regulate the nervous system because it's unregulated. Because we're, you know, we, we reside at the intersection of physiology, psychology, spirituality, emotionality, right? And so a lot of that trauma or the way that we give, receive love, the way that we relate to intimacy, the way that we feel safe in the presence of other people or in our own bodies, the way that we um, carry shame or don't carry shame, worthiness, unworthiness, etc. It's really formed during those formative years, from the ages of zero to 12 and even zero to 18, right? Particularly with our primary caregivers or, or our parents. Because sometimes like in my situation, my primary source of support and safety was also my primary source of terror. 
as well. And so there was a confusion there. And so, for example, I developed a disorganized attachment style as a result of that. And so what I would do then is bring that chaos and that volatility into my relationships because that's what I was accustomed to um, growing up. And that's the, the, the coping mechanisms I formed really revolved and centered around uh, some of those or a great deal of those experiences, but also that dynamic. And so we'll often replay those dynamics in order to have a redo, in order to do it differently, into a more healthier way, a safer way, a, a more sustainable way for our lifespan so that we move away from psychological dis-ease and physical illness and so forth. And so all of these opportunities as adults are really opportunities to heal or to recognize our wholeness at a deeper level. Now, is it possible to get to a place and maybe the answer is yes, maybe it's no, I'm still working on it myself, to get to a place in life where your past doesn't creep into the present and maybe bring you down a path you don't want to go? I think the answer or the response to that, the reality to that is yes and. So yes, we can get to that point with, with work, with effort, with uh, an application of attention, with the, the release of the unresolved, you know, through somatic work, through feeling the unfelt, through certain practices and, and utilizing different modalities in somatics and psychosomatic practices as well. And sometimes they, are, they remain with us, not because we can't shift them, um, but because they just remain with us. And so our relationship to that thing is probably more important as opposed to not having that thing in our lives, that unconscious, unresolved, painful driver, right? It's more the relationship that we have to that and how quickly we can repair. And the more we do that, and the more effectively, efficiently, proficiently we do that, we do move towards that thing not influencing us unconsciously or consciously anymore. Right. Now, you just use three words that always strike a chord or strike a chord with me in one way, shape, or form, and that was feeling the unfelt. This leads me to a question. Maybe the answer is really not out there, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm. Do you feel like everyone is meant to heal? It's a really interesting question. Oh, I'll, I'll give you the preference, like why I'm yeah. asking this, because yeah. I know so many people in my life, whether it be an ex-girlfriend or just yeah. friends in general, people in my life who know they need to work on themselves, but just choose not to, right? And it goes yeah. back to what you said, feeling the unfelt. Yeah. They don't want to feel it. They want to continue yeah. to numb. They want to overwork. Yep. They want to overeat, overdrink, <laughs> yep. have a lot of sex, go back yep. to an ex, so on and so forth. Yep. So like, does everyone, is everyone meant to heal? Well, the immediate answer, the reason why I said it was an interesting question, because I've never been asked that question before, but the immediate response for me is no, not everyone's meant to heal. And, and what I mean by that, and I'll, and I'll obviously go into and explain why, do we all have a capacity to heal? Sure. Right. And maybe not. You know, maybe our physiology doesn't align in that way in this lifetime. And the no for me is, you know, what is in your soul signature? Because if, if what's in your soul signature is to learn or to move through experience vital teachings or lessons or pockets of wisdom that don't involve or entail you healing in the way that you perceive that you need to heal or you may not even be aware that you want to heal or that you want to equilibrate or neutralize or create a sense of wholeness in your body. You may just be addicted unconsciously to the terror or the trauma or the unhealthy patterns or the, the unsustainable way of being. And so it's healing's not for everyone, right? At least not, we're not all on the same timeline. Whether you believe in multiple lives or not, that's not even relevant. Like some people will say, well, like, are we meant to heal before we hit our 20s? Well, not everyone's on that timeline. I have clients that I work with that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, in their 80s, and they're doing deeper work now because 
That's their timeline. So not everyone's on your timeline. I'm not on yours. You're not on mine. You know, we, we, we like to compare. We do that because it gives us a reference point in the world. And so we may say, oh, wow, you're in your 30s and that's, that's really young. And, and a 60-year-old may be talking to you and saying, oh, well, I wish I'd done that when I was in my 30s. I haven't really even begun my journey yet, but I know I need to, but I'm scared and I'm stuck in my ways. And, and it's all relative and comparative, right? Like it's all relative. Like a 90-year-old may be saying the same thing to a 60-year-old. Oh, you started so young and I'm 90. So we're all in different timelines and not everyone's meant to heal that thing maybe in this lifetime or in this timeline. And maybe they're not able to. Maybe they're unwilling to. And maybe it's a combination of all of that and more, right? But I don't, I don't think we're all meant to, to heal that thing that, that pains us. Right. I appreciate that perspective. You bring up an interesting term. I, I need to get deeper on it. Soul signature. What is that? Hmm. Well, I just use that term as, I don't know where I heard it. Maybe I heard it. Maybe I just quote unquote made it up. We don't make anything up. Like we're always standing on the shoulders of giants or <laughs> so nothing's ever, nothing's ever fucking new. Like we think it is, but it's not, you know, we just, we're just packaging it up in a different way. But for me, soul signature means you know, what's your dharma? What's your purpose? What are you here for? To learn through, to grow through, to experience, to have. And sometimes, you know, that soul signature could be something that's pre-negotiated um, in the ethereal or pre-negotiated in the immaterial, the spiritual, something that's beyond physical form, so to speak, or and beyond not in a better way or a worse way, just different too, right? You've got the physical, you've got the, the, the material and the immaterial. Maybe it's something that was that's part of your uh, life's journey in this lifetime and other lifetimes. I mean, I don't have certainty of whether that is a, a reality or a truth. And then, you know, truth and reality are obscure, abstract words in and of themselves anyway. Um, but soul signature is just like, what, what are you here that you're meant to do? What are you creating for yourself? What are you co-creating? What are the... What, what is the life that you wish to live or what is the life that has been thrust upon you and you're reactive as opposed to responsive? Like the soul signature for me encompasses everything that you are, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, the fragmentation, the wholeness, all of it. If you could sum up what your soul signature is, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, I think it's what my values are, man. Exploration, love, expansion, freedom, uh, adventure consciousness, connection and intimacy, truth. You know, I'm a truth seeker. And, and what I mean by that is I, I don't want to get too confident in validating everything that I think is true or that I believe. You know, I want to be open to hearing something different, feeling something different, whether that's through being a, uh, you know, like a psychonaut or being an explorer of consciousness under more familiar states of, of consciousness or whether that's taking my, my physical body which in turn takes my mental and emotional and spiritual body to to the edge, to to a place that I've never been. That's maybe exploring my fears, um, you know, to speak more openly in my relationship, in my intimate relationship with my partner, and share a truth that I think is either vulnerable or I think that may be criticised or judged or, you know, just be be met with a difference of a of perspective. You know, whatever whatever that is, like for me, you know, what my soul signature is is to to just is growth, growth, expansion, love, freedom. They're very synonymous for me. So that. it's that, it's adventure. And to, to be in the human experience, man, to be in the body, to be in the soul, to be in all of it. Like, I just think there's so much to experience, to have, to be, to see, to do, and including the uncomfortable, like the fear and the sadness and the anger and all of it, man, just to, just to be all of it. And to be a teacher as well, like I, to be of service, service is a big part of my values, you know? And so I think that's part of my, a big part of my soul signature. I mean, my life orientates around service. It really does. Right. 
How much do you feel like your childhood experiences, which we, we truthfully didn't even get into detail because I get so excited with these types of conversations, I jump all over the place, but how much do you feel like your childhood experiences, the good and the bad, play into what you value today? Right. 100%. Dr. John D. Martini tells us that our voids become our values, and I, I sincerely agree with that. And so not only our voids, but the entirety of our childhood experiences really inform who we become as adults, right? So for me, you know, I felt very isolated and very alone. I felt disconnected. I felt scared as a little kid, you know, particularly under the age of 12 and 13. As I grew into my adolescence, I became very aggressive and angry and violent, fighting all the time and some drugs and a lot of alcohol and sex as a crux as well. And, and you know, use that as a form of validation, prostitution, you know, love addiction, sex compulsion. But as a kid, I felt very retracted from the world. And so that really informed my, my values of, of, of service and connection and intimacy and yearning for that, right? And yearning to be in the presence of people. And I, when I look at my human design, which is essentially, essentially like a, like a soul signature test or a personality test, or, exam or uh, assessment, so to speak. You know, I look at that, this is quite accurate for me. I look at how I derive a lot of value in my own life, worthiness and validation through relationships. And, and that, I don't mean that it can be an unhealthy shadow-like way in, through, in terms of codependence, but more so that's, that's healthily how I create and ideate in the world is through my relationships, right? And so there's no mistake that, you know, when I was six, seven years old, I wanted to be the UN Secretary General because I wanted to quote unquote save the world. You know, I had I, had, I didn't have misinformed, I had only part of the information of, you know, the UN and, and what was happening geopolitically in the world, but that was my idea, right? And so that formed from a very young age and, and it still permeates my existence and, and my behavior and my expression in the world today. Now, if you could, and this is a cliche question, but I'm going to ask here, if you could go back with the knowledge you have now and do something differently to the point where you were numbing through, potentially numbing through whatever outlets you had, right? Whether it was the sex, whether it was the food, whether it was mm. bullying, whatever it was, right? Fighting. If you can go back with the knowledge you have now, what would you do differently to cope, quote unquote? I'd be more truthful. So I wouldn't accumulate so much shame in my lying and my dishonesty because that changed my identity. It changed my character or the masks that I had to wear to mask the lie behind the lie behind the lie. So I would be more truthful, which essentially means I would step into greater a greater sense of self-worth. So I would believe and love and care for all of that which I am and not be embarrassed and carry shame. And obviously I would have healed that or moved through that at least. Healed that is not the right word. It's, it's having moved that, having a deeper intimate communion with that part of me so that I can be more truthful and then, and then compound a healthier character in the world and not have to live in guilt and shame. Right. Now, when you felt that breakthrough in your life, when you were in that relationship with that girlfriend, I believe you said it was in your early 30s. What did the healing journey begin to look like from that point on? Oh, it was very challenging initially, man. Like, poof, you know, it was very difficult. Lots of pain, lots of trauma coming to the surface. I spent a lot of time in solitude, stopped my businesses, went, nearly went bankrupt, was in massive credit card debt committed to my growth, surrounded myself with people that could also support me, psycho psychologists, counselors, coaches, spiritual healers, okay. guides. Like I did that as well. And I, and I spent a lot of time on my own. I released so much of what I identified with in the world. I changed my practices, my behaviors, friend circles that I'd been friends with for so long, 
not because they did anything wrong, but because we were misaligned in our values, right? And 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 if you're a crack addict trying to get off crack, you don't want to live in the crack house. So you know, it was very very difficult as well, and that pulling away there and and being different and being in the out group now and not in the in group and. My, my definition of the world was very different. My definition of myself in the world was very different. It was a very painful time. It was suicidal ideation. It was very intense. And, and it was a roller coaster as well. It was a couple of years of that. And then, you know, a couple of years of feeling quite healthy. And then, boom, again, there was another catalyst in my life that I needed to go through to unlock another piece of my puzzle, right? And then a couple of years after that, three years after that, was another big piece as well where I went really dark and really deep as well. And so, you know, without those times, though, I wouldn't be where I am today, where I, I, I really, I feel very different. And I can say that earnestly and honestly, because even those, those first two or three times that were massive catalysts for me, I knew, a part of me knew this isn't quite, there's more here, there's more here. But I needed the reprieve, right? Because you, 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 otherwise I probably would have killed myself physically. I needed the reprieve. We have to integrate. We need time for integration, micro moments of integration and macro moments of integration, right? We need to build that confidence within our nervous systems and physiology and minds and social connections as well to then go out into the world and then be prepared for potentially anything else that's, that's ready to come again. Right. I love that, man. And again, I appreciate the transparency, the vulnerability. It's out there in the world through your content. Even here, I just wanted to say thank you again for that. What's a question you wish more people would ask you? <laughs> I mean, being asked that question before. How many podcast interviews I've done, man? So I many hundreds, man. I'm pretty sure I've never been asked that question either. That's a great question. You got me on the spot. <laughs> What's a question I would want more people, I wish more people would ask me? I have a question. I'm just not sure how to frame it. So I give a lot, right? Like I, sure. I definitely, I definitely give a lot. And pretty for the pretty effective at receiving it's definitely been something I, I've, I've had to work on over the years many years you know the last probably 15 to 20 years <laughs> actively but i wish more people would, would ask like just sincerely like, what do you need right now I mean, not even what i need but actually supporting me in creating in helping me create reprieve in my life right and spaciousness in my life that would be cool i love that now, I'm going to help support you here. I know that right before this call, um, you had mentioned you have a new book coming out in May. We're going to mm. plug this in here. I don't want to butcher the name. Tuned In and Turned On. Is that correct? Tuned In, that Turned is. On? Yeah. All right. I, I wrote it down quickly. I know that we have the link here. I'm going to make sure it's in the show notes. Why write this book at this point in your journey? Let, let's dive into this quick. I appreciate you, Matt. So you've been looking at my content for a while now and I can tell that you're so well researched and, and just so so disciplined, committed and really dedicated to your craft. And I appreciate that too, my friend. Every Sunday I release, and I've been doing this for quite some time, for a few years. In fact, I hadn't been doing it every Sunday before I met my wife, but I'd been doing it ad hoc, right? And a couple of years ago, I said, you know what, every Sunday I'm just going to release a very, a set of musings, Right, like amusing, which is sexual and sensual and relationship based. But really, when you dig deeper into it, it's all about healing our past through relationship, through intimacy. It's it's acknowledging and being in our shadows and being in the depths of who we are. All of us, not just the convenient parts, not just the parts that are sexy and nice and confident and look really good and shiny, but all of us. And I use and I utilize sexuality. And sensuality is a way to, to move into that space, right? 
And so this book is essentially is two things. It's firstly, it's a book. It's a, the compilation, the entire compilation of these musings. Well, not the entire, but a lot of them, many of these musings. And interspersed in this book is also my biography, which is probably about, I don't know, 10,000 words of my upbringing split into four different parts, right? Four different stages of my life. And it goes into great detail, the experiences that I had as a young boy growing up, as a teenager, as a young man, my relationship to my parents, to my brother, so much of what I experienced, right? The, the, the shadow aspect of self, like how I got to where I am today, how I'm able to express and channel um, what I see to, to be these deeply creative and profound musings because of the, what I've, the spaciousness and the clarity I've been able to create in myself and that, that healing that I have done. And so this book is to really give intelligent hope to, to women that healthy men and healthy masculinity really exists, right? And it's also to show men that your need for, your healthy need for and desire to be seen and witnessed and understood and appreciated can exist and it can exist at the intersection of sexuality and psychology and at the intersection of sensuality and trauma and healing those parts. And, and the book, and if you really pay careful attention, the book goes into depth of not how, because that's, that's, that, that's a different notion, but it gives us pathways and journey arcs into taking risks that we haven't taken before, seeing parts of ourselves that we've never seen before. And so I'm really excited about this book. I'm super proud of it. My wife, I'm very blessed, Christine is is going to do something that's like a like a preface or prologue before the book starts from her perspective of what she sees and where she's come from as well. And so I'm super, super grateful for that. I'm really excited about this book, man. Really excited. Well, I'm grateful to hear that you and your partner can work on something like, like this together. I think that's an incredible thing nonetheless. But I need to ask you, where does this desire to work in the relationship space come from? Is it is it stemming from seeing your parents' relationship at, in childhood or is it something different? I think it's, it's that for sure. And it's what I grew up with. You know, I grew up witnessing my peer groups and their parents being in very unhealthy relationships as well, violence and volatility and disregard and disrespect. I want to say a deeper knowing, at the very least, a belief, a very firm belief that relationships, healthy relationships, intimate communion and union with each other is something that can heal the planet and that can evolve consciousness. Not the only thing, but it can massively, massively evolve consciousness. Like I really, I really believe that. Right. What does a healthy partner look like from a characteristic standpoint? Like what, what are, what are you supposed to be looking for? Maybe not on a first date, but just over time, is it their willingness to communicate properly? Is it like, what is it in your opinion? Well, willingness for me is a very strong word and it's one that I'm very, I'm very connected. So I'm glad you brought that up. Willingness to communicate effectively, willingness to be quote unquote wrong, willingness to also be firm in, in their, in their truth, willingness to explore their pain, willingness to be humble, willingness to put love first, willingness to explore their fears, to willingness to deal with their childhood pain. If there is any there, willingness to look at their behaviors and their characteristics, willingness to be creative and explorative in relationship to, to be adventurous, right? Willingness to love self, to be constantly or consistently at the very least working on self, right? Willingness to dream and to dream big. Willingness to, to move through one shame. I'm using willingness, willingness as, a, as a primer or a, a foundationary word here to really express 
um, how important it is to, to carry that within us, right? A willingness to be led and a willingness to lead. Uh, that's also really important for me. For the greatest leaders are those that are effective both at leadership and being led. And they know when and how to do either or. The timing is, is really powerful. So I think there's some of the characteristics of a healthy relationship, you know, um, willingness to see our, our quote-unquote faults, to explore our shadows, to be seen and witnessed, to be vulnerable, to practice vulnerability and truth with our, with our partners, even when it's painful or when it hurts. Looking after our physical bodies, our mental bodies, our emotional bodies, that's important as well. Absolutely. Now, for the sake of conversation here, I have to ask you, what is willingness defined as by you? I'm pausing because I want to think of mm, either a synonym or a way to describe willingness without using the the, the term willingness, right? I, I mean, a synonym for me would be courage. Okay. It's traversing the unknown mm. and being able through action to move into the unknown. Mm. That's powerful. And I appreciate that. One thing that I've come across many times over is and this is probably what I was attracting at this point in my life, but a lot of women also need this healing work. And I know that we've talked, I mean, mainly man to man here. We, we've talked a lot about how you've done the work on yourself. I've done the work on myself, so on and so forth. As a man, and you're entering a relationship and you notice that your woman, the, the woman you're dating needs to do some work on herself. She needs to heal. She has some things to over, overcome. Listen, it happens. We, we've all been there. How much effort should you put towards helping that individual? Now, she is someone you're dating. She is, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's short-term, maybe it's long-term, whatever the case is. Do you try to be the person that heals her? Do you try to guide her? What's the case there? For me, we can't, we can't heal anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's important to, to understand. We can't heal anyone and, and we're not there to to heal anyone right like that's that's also important as well we're here to support people on their journey we're here to um see them to be a safe space for them to potentially f facilitate to facilitate their growth but at the same time to honor who we are right like it's very important that we we stand firm in our truth as well like we, we have to be able to do that because if we don't then we're neglecting ourselves we're not being in self-honor so we can only provide physiological and psychological and relational safety for those that are in our lives we can't be responsible for their healing and they can't be responsible for ours right right and it goes back to what you were this ties willingness right into it you know if they don't have the willingness you know you got to cut ties definitely eye-opening to say the absolute least. But Stephanos, if someone that picks up this book in May can only take one thing away from it, what would you want that one thing to be? That you needn't repeat the same destructive relationship patterns anymore. You just don't. You mm -hmm. really don't. And hey, it's not necessarily easy. It's a journey, but there's deep visceral freedom as you move through it and as you commit to yourself. Now, when you say patterns, do you mean dating the same person, dating the same type of person, so on and so forth? Yes, and all of the above and more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the um, way that you cope with stress and challenge. 
you know, how do you deal with stress and challenge? Do you stonewall? Do you criticize? Are you physically abusive? Do you run away? Those are patterns that aren't conducive to working through trauma because all you're going to do is you're moving away from your trauma or you're reenacting the same pattern. You're just going to get more of that. So in order to be different, we need to do different. This book really teaches us certain pathways to navigate that and how to best feel safe whilst we do that for ourselves and for others. Now, do you not feel that the same lesson will pop up in different ways if it's not learned yet? So for instance, if you know, I go back to an ex-girlfriend who taught me a lesson, and the next thing you know, the lesson's being taught over to me because I haven't fully grasped it yet. Does that not keep popping back up in life? Maybe not in her, but maybe in a different person? It can do. Yeah. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I find that interesting. How do you break those patterns though? Like, what does that look like to, to break that pattern regarding what you just mentioned being the one thing to take away from the book? Well, safety is key. Safety is the healing. So we have to create safety in our lives and in our relationships, but in our own bodies first and foremost, right? So we need tools and techniques, whether it's breathing practices or sounding practices or self-honoring boundary practices, somatic resources. So in trauma, we're all about regulating the nervous system, moving into a ventral vagal response, right? Which is part of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is part of the autonomic nervous system. And we want to move away from what's called a, a dorsal vagal response, which is the oldest part of our nervous systems, millions of years old, because that puts us in immobilization. And every time we feel threatened, even if it's just minute or it appears minute from the outside looking in, we start to engage these systems. Instead of the social engagement system, like the parasympathetic or the dorsal vagal or ventral vagal response, we're engaging sympathetic nervous system, right? We're engaging fight or flight. We're engaging potentially dorsal vagal. And so we need to learn to regulate our physiology. We need to learn to do that ourselves. Again, breath practices, sounding practices, boundary practices. Like if something's too intense, you have a, hey, this is a no for me. This is not how I'm going to do relationship. I'm stepping out. And these agreements are already in place. Otherwise, it can be a shock to the other person. It can cause more drama, more tension, more volatility. So you have to have these agreements in place. But there's some of the ways that we have to take responsibility for our own healing, right? That's important. And also outsourcing our own healing. But let me, let me clarify what I say when I say outsourcing. I should use another term. Seeking support external to ourselves because we need reflections, honest, deliberate, trusted, respected, revered reflections that come back to us and say, hey, you're not seeing this. Do you want to see this from this way? Because it may be useful for you. What's a piece of advice you didn't want to hear but proved to be true over time? That change and transformation is possible. Why didn't you want to hear that? Because change can be very painful. And, and when we can't see and when I can't see a way through the change, can't see the how because I can also be very much my masculine energetic or my active energetic, it wobbles me internally, right? I don't necessarily show it externally, but it wobbles me internally. So I want to deny it. And I just want to stay with what's familiar because it's convenient, essentially, right? And so when I hear transformation is possible, it's part of my identity that's being lost because now I'm changing parts of me. And that means I'm changing parts of the way the world sees me, I see the world, and I think others see me, right? All of that has to crumble. All of that has to be destroyed. And we don't like destruction. We don't like scarcity. The brain doesn't like it. The body doesn't like it. The mind doesn't like it. And so for we, therefore, we want to move away from it. So that's, that's why. Right. Now, in what you just described, is that really the ego dissolving? In part, it is, yeah. Yeah. Right. But we can't dissolve. See, the ego is an interesting thing. Like we can't, the ego is not bad either. In most circles, we see the ego as bad or negative. It's not. And if you were to dissolve your ego, you would become essentially a light being. You would, 
you will transcend this earth plane, right? So it's not about dissolving the ego unless that's your intention. It's more about integrating the ego be before that part dissolves and something else takes its place, right? Sure. And so, yes, to answer your question though, yes, it is a dissolving of aspects of self, which are our ego, because how we identify with the world and self is ego. And, and I, I heard Matt Kahn say once, ego is the soul in its infancy. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the underdeveloped soul. It's the it's the immature aspect of self, but it plays a critical role because it helps us navigate this physical terrain. It helps us relate, right? It helps us move towards what we're attracted to and what we're not, right? For, for example, if, if we both have a love of basketball, we can connect on something. Now, it may be considered quote unquote superficial, but it's an entry point into deeper connection, right? Sure. We, you know, we love discussing philosophical concepts. So that's an entry point for us to go even deeper into intimacy as friends, right? As brothers, as, as colleagues, whatever. So the, these identity points matter because they bring us close together or they repel, right? They Absolutely. push people away that, that don't align with you. Right. Now, I 100% agree we need ego, but how do we keep ego out of the driver's seat of our life? That's something that I struggled with personally in my early 20s, maybe even a little bit today. Who knows? How do you keep it out of the driver's seat? Heal, heal the unresolved wounds. Number one. Right. And number two, challenge yourself regularly. Do things that are out of your wheelhouse. Bring yourself to the edge of fear. Be humble in the moving through those challenges and fears. You got to practice deliberately humility, right? right? And choose deliberately to learn and grow from those experiences. So if you take yourself through a challenging experience, maybe it's a starting a new business, maybe it's jumping out of a plane. You know, post-reflection is really important. The ancient Greeks would spend a certain time of the day, a certain amount of the day, generally in the evenings, reflecting on their day. You know, like, how, how did I perform in my, in my work, in my utility? How were my conversations? What could I have done differently? My content with my behavior, with my feeling state? What am I yearning for that I'm not living through in life? Let's just be reflective. Like post-reflection, post-experience is really important right. for the reasons that I've outlined, right? And so when we have that, when we, when we give ourselves that capacity, we're able to grow. And so challenge is one of those ways that really helps us not keep the ego in the driver's seat because we're reframing our reality consistently, right? Because if we, if we just get accustomed to believing what we believe and we don't challenge ourselves, then our identity or our ego is going to lock in with what it knows and it's going to be arrogant. It's going to be a know-it-all. It's not going to have space for for change and transformation or the possibility of that. You know, Plato said that the more you know, the more I know, the more I know, the less I know. So there's, I believe there's some very deep truth to that. Absolutely. Now, what's your advice for someone maybe listening to this that uh, finds themselves in the flow of their comfort zone, right? Meaning they wake up, they do the same thing every single day. Go to you know, get dressed, go to work get lunch, come back home, commute, so on and so forth. And there is no challenge. There lacks challenge. What's your advice for someone to start incorporating some of that into their life? Do something different. Take a different route to work. Mm. Quit your fucking job and move to another country. <laughs> Ask the girl out that you've, you know, that lives down the road from you. Whatever it is that you want to do that you're not doing that you haven't done, do it. And if it's too overwhelming, start small. I literally take a different route to work. You know, instead of driving, catch the bus. Get an Uber. Take a different a different path. You know, whatever, whatever it may be. You know, let's say you, you have a particular fashion sense. Sell all your clothes or give them away and start from scratch. New fashion sense. Dude, just do something different. Yeah, that thing that you know you know that you need to forgive your mum for something. Do what you need to do to get to that place within yourself to forgive your mother. Challenge yourselves. Do something different. I mean, routine's important. 100% it is. Like, it's very important. Its structure helps us create and ideate and helps us achieve and helps us keep, keep us safe and sound and sane. And spontaneity is also equally as important to the human experience, right? And our tolerance for, for each varies based on our life experiences and our history and our relationship to those things. But we need a healthy combination of both. 
Love that. Use a word. And I know I'm only with you for a few more minutes, so I don't even know if I should bring it up, but use the word forgive. One of the hardest things that I've found on some days I could forgive other days. I still have hate in my heart. Mm. What are the keys to forgive, man? Feeling. Feeling what? Feeling the unfelt. Feeling the unfelt. Coming back, coming back full circle. That's what it is, man. Like, I mean, you, in order to forgive, we need to create spaciousness in our space, in our own heart, right? In our own bodies. And so we often have to feel the pain that was unfelt or wasn't fully expressed and felt. It's from that place, no point in me giving or even providing what's next after that, because until we can feel, like really feel and move that shit out of our system, we can't even contemplate, understand, connect to, fathom what's next after that. Yes, eventually it's forgiveness, and forgiveness is something actually beyond forgiveness, which is freedom, right? And that's the love and the expansion and the growth. But to even get to forgiveness, we have to feel. If we don't feel, Forgiveness is not even fruitful. It's false. Forgiveness is false unless we're feeling. So we've got to feel and move the energy. And it's forgiveness is an inside job. Like we want to, we want closure in relationship. We want closure on an argument. We want closure on something. And we seek that closure from someone else. And we place these unconscious expectations. We project them onto the person that we're going to come to them and we're going to say this and they're going to see that they victimized us and I'm going to be the victim and they're going to be the perpetrator and they're going to uh, forgive. They're going to ask for forgiveness and I, and I will then forgive them and they're going to be sorry and it's going to make me feel better. And that's bullshit. It's all codependence. I'm not excusing people's behavior. Sometimes people do some really fucked up things. And again, that's a judgment call and I don't have an issue with judgment, but it's still a value judgment, right? Like it's still my perspective. What I think is fucked up and what someone else thinks is fucked up is completely different. You have a suicide bomber from, I don't know, somewhere in the Middle East. Right, and I know that's a that's a that's a stereotype, and it's 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 happened, and it doesn't matter even if it's from the Middle East, someone from the from um what's it called the Midwest in the U.S. Right, suicide bomber or someone that just goes in and just blasts everyone with guns, whatever it may be. Someone is seeing that person and is relating to them and going, "Wow, what a hero!" And then you've got another group of people saying, "Wow, what a villain!" And so perspective is irrelevant, right? Like it's not it's not what's probably more important is that we go through our own internal processes and forgiveness, the letting go, the acceptance, the relief that we feel from not holding on to those very big, dense feelings like of anger and, and, and regret and rage and pain. We shift that without relying on something external to us to do it for us. It has to be an inside job. Right. I love that, man. On that note, Stephanos, we can wrap this up here because there is so much value already embedded within this episode. Truly appreciate it. I do have one more question. We always ask this. If you live to whatever year you want to live, however old you want to be, you put out as many books, hop on as many podcasts, coach as many people, whatever the case is, but you could only be remembered for one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Willingness. Be willing. Yeah. I love that. Great way to reiterate that. Appreciate this, man. Appreciate all of the value. Where do you hang out most on social? Because people are going to want to connect with you after this. Uh, mainly Instagram, um, at Stefanos Afandos. Cool. Awesome. I'm going, to ha- I'm going to make sure all of the links to socials, websites, coaching programs, all of that good stuff is in the show notes of this episode for everyone. Expressing my gratitude one more time, brother. Thank you for hopping on here. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you, man. 
And there you have it, everyone. Episode number 218 here on the Decoding Success podcast with our friend Stefano Safandos, our final episode of the year 2021. Now, with that being said, you're still tuned into this episode. So I'm going to make the very random and wild assumption that this episode was of value to you in some capacity. It could have helped you feel seen or heard. It could have given you an actionable plan on how to heal some sort of trauma that you might have experienced from childhood to adulthood. Maybe it's convinced you to go to therapy or hire a coach. I don't need to know the intimate details unless you want to share them with us. We're more than welcome to that. But being that this was a value to you, I'm going to ask you to help this be a value to someone else. You have the opportunity right now to be a beacon of light to someone else in your life by sharing this with them. If you share this episode, whether that be on your socials, your text messages, your group chats, your emails, word of mouth, in person, however you want to do it, you have the opportunity to impact someone. You have the opportunity to help someone end the year and or start the year on a very high note. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Have a very happy, healthy, and safe new year. I am sure I'll be connecting with you very soon. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.